All right. So this series, this is the last one in our series about our series Family Matters, which some of you are probably sitting back going, finally, he's done talking about marriage. He's done talking about romance, right? Some of you guys are like, man, he's been all up in our grill for the last couple weeks. Um, But we've spent a lot of time talking about some very important things. We've been talking about keystone habits and the way that we view things or the way that we say things, maybe the way we act, the way we behave to our spouse because we learned that it's our most important earthly relationship. So we have to treat it as such and we have to be wise about our keystone habits and what we do and what we don't do. And we've talked about things like mutual submission. We've talked about having a God-centered uh, marriage to where it's not a, a marriage that is, you know, centered on something else, but, it, you know, anything else is not strong enough, doesn't have the gravitational pull, it doesn't have the, the hold to kind of hold our lives together. So we talked about that. We talked about keeping God first, front and center. We talked about, you know, what love actually is, not what the world says love is. We've, we've learned love's a choice. You have to do it. You can't just fall into it. It takes effort and takes time. And after this, you know, about four or five month honeymoon process, love becomes a little bit of, of work involved, and we talked about communication, about how important it is that you use your words to build one another up, and you're not tearing one another down, which is typically the way we, we handle things. We've learned so much over the past few weeks in these Keystone Habits, and every week I give you one thing to just apply for the week and, and see if it doesn't make your life a little bit better, your marriage a little bit better, and I, and I certainly hope those biblical principles that we've been talking about and those Jesus-centered, God-focused principles that we've been talking about have really helped and, and blessed you. And, uh, and today we're going to talk about a very important part that, to be honest, if, if, if it wasn't important, I, I wouldn't speak about it because I, I don't really want to speak about it. Today's subject is not something that I enjoy speaking about. In fact, it's something that if I ever have the opportunity, especially at the big church, I would hand it off to Pastor Mike because he's 50-something years old, you know, he's very wise, he's smart, and it's a difficult subject that I don't want to talk about, and he's way smarter than me, or, you know, maybe we can do a video that week, or, you know, maybe, maybe I'll even change it this week because I was like, man, I got child dedication this weekend, so maybe I'll change it to an easier message to preach, and, and then as I, I weighed all those and played all those things out, I was like, well, I, it's uncomfortable because it's something that needs to be covered. It's uncomfortable because it's something that if we're not careful, society will define for us. And it's happening all around us. And for those of you that are more seasoned Christians, you've seen it happening for the past 30 or 40 years. And for those of us that are a little junior, such as myself, we've only just started to notice what's happening. This is not a, you know, sound the, fla- you know, sound the alarm, wave the flag type thing. It's just something that's part of culture, part of the world that we have to be aware of and we have to pay attention to. And particularly when it relates to your marriage, it's so very important. It's one of the fundamental parts of being married. It's very, very important. And today, that subject is going to be intimacy. And I know that a lot of you are like, well, this is the worst day to invite grandma to church, right? Come on, Brandon, you didn't plan that with the child dedication? This has, been on the, this has been on the calendar since about January. And uh, I wrestled with it for a long time, but I'm convinced that it's something that we need to cover. Because as a lot of you, if you were raised in church, you grew up believing that sex was a bad thing. That's what you were told. That's what, that's what I grew up with. 
It's one of the reasons I left the church, because they were so fervently against any type of intimacy, where I was like, this is, this is not okay. You guys are just too much. And to be honest, you, you may have grown up in a church like that too, where the answer is, it's, it's, it's gross, don't get around it, don't touch it, sex is so disgusting, so wait till you're married. What? Don't, don't, it's so gross, it's, don't, talk, don't talk about it, don't, don't even think about it. I mean, especially when you're a teenager and you got all these things going on in your head. Don't think about it, don't talk about it. We're not going to mention anything about it. We're definitely not going to go and see what God says about it. We're just not going to talk about it, but save it for your spouse. And that is a travesty. Because we have to talk about it. We have to talk about it. because, And it's not something that we need to talk about all the time. Believe me, it's my least favorite message to cover, but it's something that we have to look and see what God says about it. It's something that we have to look and see how it relates to our marriages, because a lot of us grew up thinking in the line of this verse. This comes from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians. You, you probably adopted this view in your life, or maybe this is the view that the church you grew up in adopted. Now, for the matters that you wrote about, this is the Apostle Paul sending a letter to the church in Corinth. So they wrote him a letter, and they said, hey, hey, Paul, we got some questions about sexuality. Because you got to think in those days, in, a, in that day and age, the Greeks, they, they didn't have a lot of rules, and they certainly didn't have a lot of uh, regulations when it came to, came to this. You could, you could have multiple partners. You could have multiple different types of partners. There wasn't, like, exclusivity in a relationship. It was just have fun. So they were like, okay, hold on, when it comes to following Jesus, what does that mean, Paul? So Paul says, okay, now the matters that you wrote about, those matters of how this works and what happens next, right? He says, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, right? And, and then all of us that have boy children, we're like, amen, absolutely, right? But a lot of us, we we have adopted that attitude about it. And we think that that is the Christian stance on it, and it's not. It's not the Christian stance. It's fabricated. It's not real. Because in the very beginning, in the garden, so in the, in the creation narrative in Genesis, Adam and Eve were completely naked. That's why it's called paradise, okay? <laughs> it's okay. You can laugh or lighten up. All right? I know the pastor said sex and we're all tight, but it's okay. The, the, the God's original view of it and the original intent of it is not to be something that we should shy away from and, and it's not good and we should stay away from it. And oh, oh my gosh, like that's not what God originally intended it. Not at all. Not at all. Now, this is something we've got to be, you know, we just kind of kind of got to pay attention to a little bit. Now, the Apostle Paul, this is kind of, if you read 1 Corinthians, you're going to see that it's divided into multiple different sections, because he's writing about all the problems the church is facing, all the normal things. So when you read through Corinthians, and you read through particularly 1 and 2 Corinthians, understand he's writing this to a jacked up group of people that are trying to figure out how to understand faith, and what does it mean to place their faith in this dead rabbi who raised from the dead? Like, what does that even mean? Right? How do we work with that? How does that interact with society today? So that's what you got to understand. The first four chapters, he spends talking about divisions. The second group of five, chapters five through seven, he spends all about talking about marriage and sexual relations. 
Then he spends time talking about food. And then around chapters 11 and 10, he talks about gathering and worship. And then in chapter 15, he talks about the resurrection. And those were all areas that the church had distorted the messaging. And I'm here to tell you that if we're not careful, we could fall into the same thing today. The message will get distorted. The message will get kind of pulled apart. And we've got to pay attention to the appropriate context that it is being written into. So, again, let's see what the rest of what Paul says. He says, now for the matters that you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. This, and this, this is important. This is, what, this is the reason Paul's leaning in and just giving this very, you know, none of us would think about even writing that down. We would just go, yes, you, you know, spend that time with your husband, you spend that time with your wife, there is no interchange, right? You're not switching somebody out, somebody in, like that's not what's happening. But it was, in that culture, it was what was happening all the time, and it was part of temple worship. So they were like mixing worship styles too, and the apostles like, hold on a second. That's not what it's for. It's not for that at all. And, and this is his point. It's so important that sex is not just physical. Many of us grew up and think that it's physical. And let me tell you, I'm speaking from the point of view of the guy who thought it was physical till, how old am I? So about 26, 25, thought it was just physical. That's all it was, just a physical interaction. But it's actually not. There's more involved there. In fact, science has shown us that an emotional connection happens when you give somebody that special intimate place in your life. That an emotional connection happens with them. And when you know this as well as I do, that when you connect with somebody in that regard and then they leave, that just hurts a little bit more than it would normally. The apostles making a point that it's not just physical. That's why he says, look, 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 you can't be, you should just with your own wife and with your own husband, it's not just physical, it's not just that. And like I said, in the beginning, it was, it was Adam and Eve completely naked. There was no issues at all there. Because remember, sex is designed to serve two purposes. Okay? The first one is very, 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 very obvious. Babies. That's, that's the, I mean, the first command that God gave was in Genesis 1.28. So God just created man and woman, and he blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. That can't happen without sex, y'all. Just can't. So God created it. First thing we got to understand, God created it. God created it. So it's not bad. God can't create bad things. It's impossible. It's against his nature and character. He cannot create bad things. So sex is good. Okay? It is okay. Everybody take deep breath. <sighs> Sex is good. It's okay. God can't create bad things. But we can take what God created and use it inappropriately. And God can give us some things that there's a certain place for them, and when they're taken out of that place, it hurts everybody. And that's what the Apostle Paul's trying to say right here. And then the second thing that sex is used for is its intimacy. It draws you closer to the other person. And this one is very, very, very important. 
You've heard Jesus say, and he's quoting from the Old Testament, and then he affirms it. He says, haven't you heard the two become one? He means both in a, a, in a spiritual sense and an emotional sense, and again, in his view, in a, in a physical sense as well. You're sharing, essentially, a part of yourself with your spouse, and that should be a great thing. It should be very, very important, because intimacy Intimacy is knowing and being fully known. That's why it's so important. That's why every one of us need it. That's why every, because you, you know this, that a certain part of you is exposed, a certain part of you emotionally and spiritually is exposed and trusting that other person when you take that step. There's a certain part of you that is just exposed and you are trusting by extending yourself in that matter with your husband or extending yourself in that matter with your wife. And for those of you that think you're too tough and it's not, that's, you stop fooling yourself. It absolutely is. You're exposing a piece of yourself and you're saying, I trust you with this very delicate part of me, this very delicate part of my emotions and my spirit, I'm entrusting it to you. This is why it is so important that we understand it in the context of our marriage. Because intimacy is reserved for your spouse. It is reserved for your spouse. It's meant to be completely inclusive. Humans crave it. We just do. From a physical standpoint, of course, but also from an emotional and a spiritual standpoint. Because we were created for it. And it's not bad that we have that type of need and that craving. That's normal. What's bad is when we step outside of the confines that God has given us for it. And when we step outside, it becomes dangerous. And I'm talking not, I'm talking obviously, you know, cheating. That's a big one, right? Marriages get torn apart for, for that. But I also am talking about pornography also. Because what you don't realize and what none of us realize is that your brain, and scientists, science has shown this, that when you watch a pornographic video, your brain tries to connect with that video the same way that it would try to connect with your spouse. There's just nothing reciprocated. And what happens is, is that connection becomes dulled. And then before you know it, and this is what science has shown us, it's harder to make the connection with your spouse. The appropriate emotional connection that should only be reserved for them because you've been trying to make it with a phone screen or a computer screen. And like I said, this is my least favorite thing to talk about. But if we're not careful, if we're not careful and we sit back and just believe it's just physical, we will hurt ourselves and we will hurt our marriages. It is reserved, that type of intimacy is reserved and should be reserved for your spouse because it's precious. That's how it was designed. It was designed to draw two humans closer together and make babies, okay? That's a byproduct, all right? But it's also meant to draw people closer together. That's what it's for. And um, 
The apostle goes on and kind of explains it. Just so we're clear, he kind of expands on it for us. He said, the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. And all the men want to say, amen. Don't say anything, shut your mouth. Okay, eyes up here. In the same way, right? So right when you hear it, you go, ah, there he is, toxic masculinity Paul. He goes, hold on, in the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body. Hold on, Paul, this is the first century. What do you mean the husband doesn't have authority over his own body? Because apparently, Paul, in the first century, maybe you missed this, but women are just kind of property. They're just kind of, you know, they're, not, they're, they're humans, but not like the best humans, right, Paul? So, like, I don't know what century you're writing into or who you're trying to speak to, Paul, but they don't own us. And Paul's like, no, absolutely, they do. When you get married and you decide to follow Jesus, you no longer have just authority over your body. You're sharing that authority with your spouse. That's what he's trying to say. He says the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. And again, this kind of connects to that mutual submission to one another. That's important. And and the, the apostle makes this point that that your connection and, and the opportunity that you have with, with your spouse, it's something that you get to enjoy. And that it's kind of a mutual thing, you know? Like you two should strive to spend that time together. You two should prioritize it in your marriage. You should make it a thing, right? It's not like, you know, you should just have kids and say, oh, well, there goes that part of the marriage till they're gone, Right? Some of you that have kids go, but that's so true. Screen time, homie. It's the best thing ever, right? So, like, it's important. The apostle's like, look, it's, it's, it's important. It's important that you make sure that you reserve and spend that time with your spouse. And here's another thing that you need to pay attention to. Because that verse, before it, has been weaponized a little bit to make people feel bad for not having sex with their spouse or not feeling like it, or whatever, and they say, well, it's your duty. Well, okay. But that's not necessarily Paul's point. He's emphasizing the importance of it. Here's another way that I want you to look at all of this. And this, I chose these words very intentionally. Providing intimacy for your spouse is your privilege. It's your privilege. Don't Look at it like a job. Jobs suck sometimes. Jobs aren't fun sometimes. Jobs are difficult sometimes. Jobs are exhausting sometimes. And if I asked how many people are excited to go to work tomorrow morning, I probably wouldn't get that many hands. I might get a few because you guys are like sadists or something. I don't know. But like crazy people. But I say that and you guys know I love my job. But... I love it. I love my job. Now, the Marine Corps talked to me. I'd be told a different story. Um, but the, the thing that we have to pay attention to is that, that the way that you look at it determines your attitude for it. And when you have the attitude that it's a job, when you have the attitude that it's a, it's a duty, it's something I got to do every day, I mean, oh gosh, it's like a chore I got to do. The minute it becomes like that, it stops being enjoyable. And the minute it becomes like that, and the minute you allow it to be that way, 
your marriage is going to lose a very special piece of the puzzle that God created. Because God created it. It can't be bad if God created it. It can't. It's impossible. It's against his character. He can't create bad things. So it's part of your marriage. And it is your privilege to do that. And again, this is not always what we've heard. This is not always the way we've, we've thought about it. And intimacy doesn't just mean sex, okay? Gentlemen, it's not always sex. It's not always that way. It's not always that way. Intimacy in this regard is understanding what the other person needs. And it is your privilege to be able to fulfill that need. Because you are the only legitimate means of that for your spouse. You are the only legitimate need, means for that. Both physically and emotionally. And don't, don't, don't get it twisted because emotional cheatings are sometimes worse than physical cheating. That relationship that you've been having with that person at work that's totally inappropriate and you know it is based on the conversations you've been having with them by the water cooler, come on. If your spouse heard that, that would turn her stomach. That would turn his stomach. Sometimes those are just as dangerous. But the, the, the point is, is that it is your privilege to do that. That means you have to go out of your way to do it sometimes. Sometimes that means that you're going to take some time away from your own private time that you would take for yourself to go watch a movie or whatever you do individually to spend some time together. Maybe that means you're going to snuggle on the couch tonight and watch a movie, chick flick, right? I hate chick flicks. They're my least favorite thing to watch. But I watch them sometimes because Leah wants me to watch chick flicks. And guys, I hate them so much. You know what I hate worse? Rom-coms. Those are the worst. I'd put my head through this table before I'd watch a rom-com. But my wife loves rom-coms, so guess who loves rom-coms? <laughs> Me. I love rom-coms. Because that's part of the way that, that we love each other. That's part of the way that she receives love. That's part of the way that we kind of begin to have intimacy with one another and, and begin to make that space a safe space for us. And it's something that you, you've, you've got to figure it out. Everybody's different. But there's something emotionally with your spouse that you've got to figure out what that thing is. Where is it? What is it? What can we do to kind of open that door, open that to figure out where, hey, you know, you can trust me. Your best interests are my best interests. I want to make sure that you're getting what you need. And that means you need to talk to your spouse. That means you need to have an open conversation. That means you need to say, hey, this is what I need. That means you need to be open and transparent with them. Because it's meant to draw two people closer together. And then again, it's reserved for just your spouse. Stop viewing it like a chore. Stop viewing it like a chore. Because it's not. It's a gift from your Heavenly Father, and it's a privilege that your spouse, out of everybody in the world, six billion people in the world, they chose you. Imagine how special you are to fulfill that need for them. And again, you are the only legitimate means to fill it. So view it like a privilege, not like a chore.
Not like something you have to do. Oh, gosh, here we go. Got to watch a rom-com. Oh, here we go. He's, he's nudging me, you know. He's giving me the side eye. Here we go. You know, like, we got to stop looking at it that way. We have to stop looking at it that way. And then, specifically as it relates to sex, Paul gives us one more time here. He says, so first he says, hey, husbands, fulfill your marital duty. Ladies, fulfill your marital duty. And then he kind of says, hey, you know, your authority is not over your own bodies anymore. You two share authority over each other's body, right? It's a mutual thing. And then he goes on and he says, here we are. Don't deprive each other. Amen. Don't deprive each other. And that's where we wish that it stopped. He said, don't deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. That seems reasonable. That seems reasonable. He says, then come back together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Here's the thing. We talked about how it's a need. We talked about how intimacy like that The shared intimacy is something that we all inherently need. And if your spouse is not fulfilling it, and if you are not viewing it like a privilege, and if you are not putting in the effort, and you guys aren't talking about it, and you don't make it a priority in your marriage, if you don't do those things, that need will get filled some way. It just will. Now maybe it's through one of these, right? Every time she's gone, every time he's gone. Maybe it's through that coworker. I mean, we have so much digital technology now, maybe it's through other crazy means. But we 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 can't, you know, we, we have to obviously take some time for prayer and fasting, right? You need to do that. That's important. And it's mutual, you guys talk about it. Hey, we're gonna take some time off. But when it's when that time's over, don't, don't, don't pretend like it doesn't exist. Don't throw it out and say, no, 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 it's not important. Don't pretend like it's, it's something that the young kids do. Don't pretend like, oh, we did that when we were, you know, first married. Now it's like once a year on birthdays. No, that's not the way God intended it. It's never the way he intended it. And if we do that, if we view it that way, then that's, still in, that's, that's a legitimate need that will still exist. And that need will get fulfilled in other ways. And when it gets fulfilled in other ways, it's dangerous. And it will hurt you and it will hurt your marriage. Because again, it's a legitimate need. And that's what sin is. Sin is trying to fulfill a legitimate need in illegitimate ways. That's what sin is. Every time you sin, in whatever way you sin... It's because you're trying to fill a legitimate need, not because it's an illegitimate need. It's a legitimate need. You're just fulfilling it in illegitimate ways. Again, make it a priority. Have Have the time, sit down, and talk about what it is on how you guys can improve intimacy with one another. Because God designed it, and he can't design bad things. He designed it and included it as part of your marriage. And it's one of the great tools that we have. Now, I will say this. This is the other part. This is, this is the part that makes us all uncomfortable. Um, 
it's specifically designed for a marriage. Inside the confines of a marriage. And here's why. Okay, this, it, it, the, we use a fire analogy, right? I would, I would actually bring a fire up here, like a fire pit and start a fire up here so you guys could see it, but it's not our building. So I thought it's probably not a wise decision to do that. We'll do that in our own building. Somebody say amen. But it's like a fireplace, right? Fire is very, very important. Fire is very significant to, to, to living. It's how you stay warm for a long time, right? And fire in the fireplace is great. Heats your house, takes care, lowers your energy bill, right? Gives you a nice ambiance, gives you a nice little lighting, right? Maybe even set the mood for intimacy, you know what I mean? Like fire in the fireplace, great. Fire in the kitchen, on the floor, not great. Fire in, in, in the, on the carpet, not so good. Fire anywhere else except where it belongs, dangerous. And the truth is that it's the same way with sex and with intimacy. That when it's anywhere else, except inside the confines of a marriage, the way God intended it, the way he created it, it just can be dangerous. Take it from us who have done it. Okay? I wasn't always saved. Like I said, I didn't get saved till much later. First, I got saved just because I was going to Afghanistan in case I caught one between the running lights, wanted to make sure I had a date with Jesus, not the devil. Somebody say amen, right? I'm just being honest. Can I be honest for a second? That's why I got saved first. And then after that, I actually started to understand what it was about. Started to give my life to Jesus, give my life to Christ. But, I had a time too. And I can tell you, it's dangerous. Fire outside the fireplace is dangerous. Sex outside of marriage is just dangerous. And I wish I had a different answer. And culture is going to tell you it's not. And that's fine. Scientific studies are going to tell you it is. But that's not what's on Fox News. And that's not what's going to be on CNN. And that's certainly not what's going to be on, T on MTV. And is VH1 still a thing, right? Like, I don't know. But... <laughs> It's not what's going to be on the television show that you're going to watch on Amazon. It's not going to be the thing on Netflix. It's not going to be through the spiritual shamans on TikTok. It's not going to be there. It's not. But science will tell you that it's dangerous because of the mental and emotional connection you make with somebody and the way you're forming bonds with them emotionally. And again, you recognize as well as I do that when somebody leaves, that hurts. The same is true in your marriage. If you begin to make those connections outside of your marriage, you're going to get hurt. Even if it's with a screen, somebody's going to get hurt because it's fire outside the fireplace. And it's simply not where it belongs. And if you're a Jesus follower, you can't really have it. If you're not a Jesus follower, I hope today helped. But if you're a Jesus follower, it's a little different for us. It means we should never take it out of the fireplace. We should mind it. We should care for it. We should recognize the gift that was given and treat it as such. Treat it as a privilege. So, 
This week, I want you to go have lots of sex. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. Whew, I need a drink of water. I'm kidding. I thought everybody was going to get up and walk out when I said that. I'm just joking. If you're married, do whatever you want. This week, I want you to, t- to, to seriously prioritize it. We talk about keystone habits, and we've been talking about that in this series. This week, talk to your spouse about it. That's it. Just talk to your spouse about it. Even if it's uncomfortable, even if you haven't had, a, even if you haven't had the conversation about it in a while, you haven't addressed it, talk about it. Okay, even if you had the conversation last week, hey, you know what? Something might have changed. Bring it up again. Talk about it. Talk about it. Share that with them. Share the things that you need because they can't fulfill what they don't know. So talk to them about it. Prioritize it. Make it a thing because it's God's gift. Intimacy is God's gift. He cannot give anything bad, so it's good. So this week, talk about it. Treat it like a privilege, not like a chore, not like a job, not like something I have to do, but this is something that I get to do. I get to fulfill this need for her. I get to fulfill this need for him. Out of everybody in the world, it's my privilege to do that. And if you do that, your marriage will be a little different. If you have invited some other things into your marriage, like some other things that maybe took the fire out of the fireplace, I encourage you to hang it up this week. Don't continue. It's not worth it. It's fake, it's fabricated, and it's going to hurt you, and it's going to hurt them. And it's, out, it's fire out of the fireplace. So hang it up. And again, how different would your marriage look if we did those things? How different do you think would marriages look across the United States if we were able to do this? And prioritize each other's intimacy and prioritize that time with one another the way that God originally intended it. So, this week, if you're a Jesus follower, even if you're not, I invite you to just have that conversation. What am I not doing that I should be doing? What do you need from me? That's what you should be asking. And see if it doesn't change your marriage. So, With that, let us pray.